welcome to Lending Forward, a podcast where we're lending every bit of what we know to our listeners. From real conversations and lessons learned deep within the industry to education and forward thinking, together we're Lending Forward. And as always, don't forget to subscribe to our channels and connect with us on www.atlanticbay.com. Atlantic Bay Mortgage Group, LLC, NMLS number 72043, NMLSconsumeraccess.org is an equal opportunity lender. Located at 600 Lynn Haven Parkway, Suite 203, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23452. Welcome to another episode of Lending Forward. Today, we are talking about all things habits. So from creating habits, maintaining habits, and breaking down the why. Joining us is Nelda Kales. Welcome, Nelda. So today we're talking about the power of habit. And I'm so excited because Nelda Kales is joining us from our very own Atlantic Bay Mortgage Group. And I think it's so important that, especially right now when it's 2022, we're all coming out of this COVID slump and creating good habits for us to grow our business is just important. So James Clear once said that habits are not a finish line to be crossed. They are a lifestyle to be lived. And that's so crazy because it's just, it's something that just like a diet, right? A diet is you put a time stamp on it, but if you create it as a habit and you implement it in your everyday life, then it's not something that ever ends. You just continue to live on. So tell us, Nelda, what kinds of habits have you implemented in your daily life that help you feel like a better manager, a better coach, better mentor and mother? Sure. Thanks for having me, Taylor. I like thinking about this from a habit as a progression. In fact, it's, you know, my word for this year is momentum. And so I do think all too often we look at habits and we think it's a it's all or nothing. And honestly, it took me a long time in, in my life, in my womanhood of life, to get to a place where I didn't feel like, well, it's all or nothing, the diet, the exercise, the those things. So so I have probably four habits that I think over time have become part of part of who I am. It wasn't easy. It was, it, in fact, I resisted it for a very long time. One of the habits that I think was probably the hardest to get my head wrapped around was waking up early. And so I think waking up early means something different to everyone. So I would just say, I'm going to tell you that I wake up at 4.30 or 5 a.m. And I know that that's not for everyone. Young moms with young children, or if you've got children in the household, and, and I do, and I've just try to do that. I do that a different way, but waking up early for me allows me the quiet time I need so that we don't have those things like mom guilt and things like that later on. Plus what I found in our business, for most of us who are in sales, business starts happening at four and five o'clock in the afternoon. And because business happens at four or five, you're not going to be able to probably shut things down by that five, six or seven to be able to go do, to go do that, all the other things that you'd like to do in your day, right? personal time, reading, exercise, those things. So it really started out kind of funny. I moved to a new neighborhood, became friends with a group of women, and they all would get up at early in the morning, in the dark. They'd go for runs, they'd go for walks. And I just remember thinking, that is crazy. There's, <laughs> there's no way that I would ever do that. Before too long, you know, if you're the sum of the people you surround yourself with, all of a sudden you start surrounding yourself with those people. And all of a sudden I started getting up at 4.30 and 5 a.m. to do those things. So waking up early is one, but you have to follow that up with the next question is, well, how would I get up early if I go to bed late? So right. then you have to develop some habit around going to bed earlier as well. So I can tell you, 
you know, there was a time when I would sit up after the whole household had gone to bed. And I know specifically a lot of moms or dads probably stay up late folding laundry or cleaning house, kitchen, doing those things. I stayed up watching TV, you know, trash TV, like just mindless things after your brain was so busy for the day. So, you know, over the course of time, I've moved that bedtime to 9, 30, 10 o'clock. That's just when it happens because I know I'm a better me the next day. There's one I wanted to to bring up because I think this is important, especially as we're coming through this environment of being at home, which is, and this is real talk. I think you have to change your opinion about how we've normalized having that wine, the cocktail, the And so for me, it's been changing my opinion about not having that not be a part of every day. So no judgment to anyone about anything. For me, it was just a realization that, hey, this is just becoming a little too normal. I'd like to have it not be a normal part of everyday life. So Mm -hmm. I think having some thoughts around that, I think are important. And that's created a habit for me that I think makes me better in the evenings for my family and things like that. The last one is also an imposition that happens as you're coming home and you pull in the driveway and you're still on that last sales call. I think it's super important to skip the drive. Don't even, don't even let the wheels hit the driveway if you're still on that call. And I'll, I'll tell you why. I think you should end the last call before you ever walk in the door. But even in, there was a time. So I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enter the house after I've finished the last call so that everyone has my attention. That turned into me sitting in the driveway or sitting in the garage, like still finishing the call. Well, by that time you have kids staring at the window, you've got dogs waiting at the door. My husband's already coming into the garage thinking that I'm ready to get out of the car. And and so I just decided I wouldn't even pull in the driveway anymore without doing that. So I think that's a good combination of being a better workmate, being a better teammate, being a better mentor and a family member and a mom, if you will. Absolutely. And I think what I'm hearing too, because if it means something to you, then you prioritize it. So trying to figure out like, okay, exercise means something to me. I need to get up early in the morning to be able to do it so that I'm a better me later on. And then being able to dial it back on either having a glass of wine, two glasses of wine every night. And that's not some, by the way, not, we don't talk about that. It has been normalized and people think it's just a way of life now, but it's almost deterring you from waking up and exercising or getting a good night's sleep, which we all need to. But then in turn, Some of it is the time blocking and making sure that you are able to be mindful and plan. Is time blocking something that you find yourself doing for your business as well? I do. Sometimes my time blocking happens for me, but most of my calendar is is color-coded out and is coded out and, and blocked out for even down to strategy. Now, the hard part is, as everyone would say, sometimes things creep in there, but I do find if you start with just a few essential habits, I think it will spill over into the into the rest, you know, the rest of your day. If I start out with my day starting at five, the rest of my day seems to go much better. If I start out, if I make sure that I'm going to bed early, then my next day starts out. So it's almost even like you can put some end caps, even if the rest of the day is messy, if you can put a couple of end caps and a couple of boundaries around just a few things in a day, I think it can really help you with what happens in between. Sure. You're a great coach. You're a great mentor. Your people love you. What is one piece of advice that you try to implement to your mortgage bankers saying, this is a habit that you need to start doing just just to help them grow as a a mortgage banker, whether that's leadership-driven or production-driven? This may not give people what they want specific enough. I'm very process-oriented. And so for me, I want my team to be able to do things as efficiently as possible. So whether that comes to scripts, 
and how you handle scripts in your business. I'll tell my team a couple of things. One, if an agent or a customer has to call you to ask the question, then you probably didn't do something in your piece of the job. And so part of my goal is to help us create processes that head those things off so that the things that happen the same every time are happening proactively on a mortgage banker side and proactively in the business instead of reactive. So that's one piece of it. The other piece I will say is when we create those processes, there are two times that I think you may be inclined to to ditch the process. One is when you're slow and the other is when you're busy. And so I always tell our team, there are two times to not get rid of the process. Do not get rid of it when you're slow because you think, oh, it's fine. We're, We're slow enough that we can do this and do not resist the temptation to get rid of your process when you're busy. Because when you're busy, you're just trying to like make things work. The most important part is, is just creating processes around the things you do and trying to stick to that so you can scale and be efficient. Absolutely. And one other thing that you touched on that I think we haven't, at least throughout the podcast's life so far, has talked about mom guilt and what that looks like. So what's a piece of advice that you would give to women in the field men in the field that have children and they've got this guilt of, you know, whether I've worked too many hours or what's one story or even just piece of advice that you can give to people that might be feeling that right now? Yeah. I think it's hard too, because when you used to get up and go to work every day, you go to the office, you could compartmentalize. Okay. Well, I go to work and my family understands that I go to work. For the past couple of years, we've been extremely fortunate and blessed to have so much business with purchase and refinance business that that business was spilling over into our home life. I think the the best we can do, and this is kind of like everything else, is find that time to carve out that 30 or 45 minutes and make that the time that you're, you're spending with family. Make that the time. If your business is spilling over into your house life, say that from seven to eight, it's phones down and family time. And we've, we've tried to do that in our house. We've tried phones down, family time, you know, everybody put it away. And we've never been at everybody sit by the dinner table family anyway. Mm-hmm. So we try a little bit harder. I will say too, for parents with young kids, for me, I was always that early time in the morning, which is why I get up early as well. That early time is when babies are the happiest and kids are usually the happiest because they've just gotten through sleeping the rest of the, the night. And right. so if you're gonna if you're gonna catch the best time with your kid, maybe try to find that time in the morning. And I know parents are probably like, yeah, right. It's like very chaotic in my house. Maybe the mornings are not the time, and that's okay too. Try some things differently, like not having the TV on when you walk into the household or not rushing and everybody going to go do all of their different things in the household. I really think the most important thing you could do is carve out 30 to 45 minutes minimum. You'll feel better. They'll feel better. And sometimes that's all you can get in when you have a full day of work, school, sports, 30, 45 minutes might be all you have. But for me, I don't leave the house until my kiddo leaves the house. And so that's just how I've made that work. So even if I come in late, we have mornings together. I love it. And again, prioritizing what means most to you, you do it. You have to do it. You'll adjust. Well, and to Taylor, I, like I said, it took me a long time to get there. I mean, so for people who are going through it and trying to figure it out, remember it's a progression. It is, it's not something that like just one day is like, well, yeah, now I don't have any stress about that anymore. You just have to find that, pick that one item. Maybe it's a habit if that's what you want to call it, but find that one commitment that you can make and, and just start building on that from there. Absolutely. People go through seasons in their life. So it's, 
what might feel like a mom guilt season right now could be a learning moment later. Maybe you'll laugh at it later or what have you. But let's talk about seasonality. Okay. So somebody new breaking into the industry and what is one piece of advice that you would give them or what habit would you have them start pretty immediately after trying to break into the industry? Yeah, this one's kind of hard because it's hard to break down this business into into a one thing. So I really think about it as two, but really what it comes down to is everything is an activity and you have to pick which, which activity you're going to serve. Is it a sales activity or is it a service activity? And both of those are pretty important in our business. Where I see, and maybe this is just putting it more into perspective and why I think it's so hard to pick just one thing. Although I do think activity is probably the magic word, but I have met so many mortgage bankers who get into the business who felt like, and even mortgage bankers who work in the business today, who absolutely love to work the deal, love working with the customer, love solving the problems. They would love to sit in front of their computer. And unfortunately, we do need to be really smart and have a very high mortgage IQ and be in tune with what's happening in the industry. But that's probably more like 30 or 40% of the job. And 60% of the job is really who's in your network? Who do you know? Who are you asking for business? What are the activities you're doing? How often are you making sales calls? What's your schedule around promoting your business? And so I guess the, the one piece of advice is create a playbook, if you will, of what's the sales activities that need to be done and what's the service activities and really make sure your business doesn't get lopsided on service versus sales because we get really bought into helping people and that's what we love about the job. And that's a very fortunate part about it. But we forget that, ooh, I've got to get back out there and ask for business. And that's kind of got to be a steady, a steady thing. You know, that advice is for new mortgage bankers, you specifically asked, but I think we're kind of in a moment now in our industry where we've been, I think somebody said the other day, we've kind of been sitting under the apple tree and the, you know, the basket of apples has just been falling into the basket. And even for people who've been in the industry for a very long time, they are now finding, okay, well, I'm going to have to be more competitive, be more sales driven. So I think the key is to just remember as much as it seems like a service job and it is, it's still definitely a sales job and you have to learn to bring sales to you. So majority of your activities should be built around bringing sales and driving sales to you. Absolutely. I mean, it's prospecting is at the forefront again. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times it it's hard because you get stuck in your ways the last couple of years of not having to do it. And so now it's like, oh, I've got to I've got to flex that muscle again. I've got yeah. to get back out there, get on the horse and see how I can bait people in. I love that. I know you're reading Atomic Habits and I didn't know if there was anything that you we could end on, some closing notes, maybe from that, that you found impactful or something that resonated with you from it. One of the things it, it does talk about is kind of how you're surrounding yourself with people to pr- help you promote your, your habits and to make sure that you're the people you're surrounding yourself are supporting the habits you want to create. It's really important to make sure you find friends who are in the same mindset as you. And that may mean you have to clean out your friends list for this specific piece of your life. Doesn't mean that they're not good friends. Just means that if they're if they're not going to support this new habit, this new activity you're trying to create, they may not be part of, they may not need to be in, in your normal everyday support system. You may have to pick and choose. And it doesn't mean forever, just maybe until you're stronger, until your habits built. But generally speaking, our habits are better formed when we are surrounded by a group of people who also support those habits. So I think that that's important. 
too, because I think it's easy to give up when you go it alone. And so find some folks, you know, we like to use the word accountability a lot. It's not so much accountability. It's, it really is more about support. So find some folks who can help you support the habits that you're trying to build. I think that's important. I do too. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us and talking about the power of habit and the momentum of the year behind it. So very excited. Uh, This will not be the last time you hear from Nelda, but thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Taylor. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the Lending Forward podcast powered by Atlantic Bay Mortgage Group. Don't forget to tune in next week and make sure you subscribe to our channel. Remember, we all play a part in lending forward. So go lend something forward today.